Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Are they on? Check, check. Oh, hello. Microphone check. One, hello, two. you gorgeous people. Hello. Oh, so many glittery uh, bunny ears. I, I might have a seizure. That's cool. So many perky bunnies. <laughs> How's everyone doing this afternoon? Are you having a good time? Everybody hydrated? No. Caffeinated? <laughs> Caffeinated. Okay. That's good. There's plenty of candy around for that. Um, so uh, do you want to go first? And then All right. So welcome to our crossover live taping of Unscrewed and Why Are People Into That? I am Jacqueline Friedman. I am the host of the podcast Unscrewed and also the author of a book by that name that's coming out in November. Oh. And on November 14th, I'm going to be having my official book release party at the Pleasure Chest on the Upper East Side, and you are all invited, so be there. It's going to be a great time. I'll hammer that point later, too, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm kind of just like a feminist sex troublemaker. Great. Is, yeah, I'm a writer and an activist and a bad, bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people hate me on Twitter. Always a good sign. And who the hell are you? Oh, I'm Tina Horn. I don't know if people hate me on Twitter, but somewhere I'm sure they do. We, we can arrange for that if you oh like. Oh, God. No, I don't know if I can take it. So I'm Tina Horn. I'm the host and producer of the Why Are People Into That podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. I uh, also am a writer and a troublemaker, definitely, um, uh, on the internet and in print. And I, I teach a lot of classes uh, at the Pleasure Chest here in New York. So while you're at the Pleasure Chest booth, make sure that you pick up the schedule. All of the workshops there are free. And when you are attending a workshop, you get 15% off whatever you buy that night, which is an amazing deal. I'm also starting to do wire people into that live at the Pleasure Chest once a month. Woo-hoo. And the next one is October 5th. And it's going to be all about like sexy monsters. So if you're into sexy monsters, that's where you should be to kick off your Halloween season. So we're going to do a crossover podcast. We are recording this. So if you want to subscribe we are live. to Unscrewed and wire people into that, we would appreciate it. And then you can hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we'll probably both edit the shows differently. So you can like Ooh. hear how it goes. So we're going to do a hybrid of our formats. And my show, Unscrewed, always starts with a lightning round of warm-up questions. And the first First one is, what's been making you happy this week? Oh, well, I turned 35 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Yes, I know, I know. What's my secret? Um, It's lots of fucking. Um, Yeah, Virgos. Shout out to my Virgos in the room. Yes, fantastic. Yes! Yeah, my two best friends surprised me by flying out from Oakland. And so I got to have, like, bestie 
birthday surprise Aww. weekend. And one one of them brought their like little one year old son who is also a Virgo, um, whose birthday <laughs> whose birthday was yesterday. Um, well, as so, long as the baby's a Virgo, I know. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can you all arrange to like <laughs> fuck in January, and then all your babies <laughs> will be will be my little Virgo um, minions. Yeah. So that that's been that's been making me really happy. I had a great birthday. Right on. What is the best sex advice you ever received? I read this book called Radical Ecstasy by uh, Janet Hardy and Dosie Easton, who also oh. wrote The Ethical Slut. Yeah. Has anybody read Radical Ecstasy? Um, it's very good. Kind of sort of takers in here. Wonky California mystical book about sex. And in that book, they talk about your psychic dick, which was sort of like a like a description and. Uh, sort of like a praxis for like how to use something that I had always like sensed in myself, but I like didn't quite, just, just it, it, I think it was an example of how when you read and talk about sex and somebody names something that you'd always had an abstract sense of, but, but never had like a form for, yes. then you can like really put it to work, if you know what I mean. So yeah, ever since then I've had a much better Idea of, of, yeah, how to use my, my psychic cock. Psychic cock? Yeah. Is that like a detachable penis, like the King Missile song? No. <laughs> no, it's more like when you take a detachable penis and you strap it on, then that's like the energy that you, you use to like embody it. And All then, right. yeah. Anyway, all right. Talk about that more. What <laughs> sex related news has been making you the maddest or saddest lately? Oh, God, where do I start? Band-Aid off fast. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about other fun things after this, I promise. I got, I got to talk about Ted Cruz, man. Oh, I, my God. I, 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 fucking motherfucker Ted Cruz. Motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> I, so for those of you who don't know, Ted Cruz, uh, who is a Republican senator from Texas. Ultra-conservative evangelical dude. His Twitter account liked a porno and and so then everyone was like what and the porn oh, was the porn was from mom's fucking teens 20 i think and so so he so he liked it so everyone was like oh no so inappropriate and terrible and so then he has had to be like oh it was a staffing issue which is like very vague <laughs> who's <laughs> staff exactly yeah yeah wrong choice of words dead Cruz. Yeah. The, the one good thing that has come out of this is that everybody is like jumping on reminding all of us of all of the fucking hypocritical well, things that, that Ted Cruz has ever done related to sexuality. Well, that's the thing that made me crazy about this is that he later said after the staffing issue comment, he was like, oh my God, America, you're so uptight about sex. Or like, you're so obsessed with sex. You're obsessed so obsessed with sex. With sex. Everybody like, always wants to talk about just sex. Just like loosen up. And I was like, Ted Cruz, you don't want gay people to exist. Like, oh, and also very relevant to everybody here, he has actually tried to make sex toys illegal, and he's not the only one. And has said, and his, and you know, and has said, people, there is no reason that people should masturbate. Really, there's no reason for people to have sex beyond making babies. Like, these are the people who are like forming the policy that affects our lives, people. So get pissed. Yeah. Get pissed. And, and... Don't let this motherfucker talk about how we're obsessed with sex. And also, I, I mean, to just get on my high horse about it for a second, I mean, I do think that the hypocrisy around, you know, what we expect from porn and who consumes porn and how they consume them, I think we'll get to that later, is really a problem. And, and, and because the 2016 presidential Republican platform 
actually called for porn to be deemed a public health crisis, yep. not making this up, is, is a problem for sexual freedom, sexual expression, your solo sex lives, your orgasms, your pleasure. So we need to be talking about this more. So thank you, staffing issue at Ted Cruz's office. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into But we it. need to finish the lightning round first. Okay. Two more okay. questions. Okay. What sex myth did you used to believe but you don't believe anymore? I guess I used to really believe in like the idea of sex as scoring and that there had to be yeah. like a certain, you had to have like a certain like pitch of sex, like a certain like energy and a certain connection for it to be called sex and for you to feel satisfied. Like you got laid, like your partner put out or, or whatever. Um, and it has to be like. Yeah, and even as a queer person, I think I had this like heteronormative focus on intercourse and orgasm and like the idea that, that it has to be like, like all in main course. Uh, what, you know, whether like dating a partner or at a one night stand or even at a sex party. And so I think that I, I think I caused myself a lot of grief by like holding people to that expectation in an unrealistic way and also holding myself to that expectation like going to sex parties and having a really fun time and then like the night is starting to wind down it's like fuck I forgot to have sex with someone and then just like grabbing <laughs> someone that I'm not necessarily that attracted to or vibing with just be like because if I don't do this then like what was the you even have to, the like, point accomplish the sex right so yeah. I think that I was I think I was focused on this like Maybe like capitalist colonialist idea of like accomplishing sex. Instead in of experiencing sex it, or like creating sex together or something. Yeah. yeah. And and so now I really try to think of like masturbating as sex and and masturbating with my partner as sex and like voyeuring at a sex party to be participating in the sex party or, you know, all different kinds, or even cuddling as, you know, something that is like building intimacy and might be what I'm in the mood for as opposed to another day when I'm like in the mood for, you know, whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Coming a million times. Yeah, I love it. Okay, last one. Who's one of the bravest people that you can think of who's working to unscrew the sexual culture in one way or another? You know, I'm so glad you asked because you talk about this thing in this book, Unscrewed. Oh, um, that looks like a good book. <laughs> it's so good. So this is what happens when you like work in sexuality. You get the advanced review copies. Uh, you, you. I was really happy to see you talking about the Satanic Temple. Oh my God! I in in this love book, the because temple. and let me just let me. Do just, you guys know about who knows about the Satanic Temple? <laughs> a few people. So, so what? I think you put it really well. You know, it, this is not like um, baby sacrificing, goat sacrificing, devil worshippers necessarily who are in the Satanic Temple. It's more people who are really using the idea of like the original rebel to actually instant do re really amazing political actions that are like based on like fucking with people's discomfort and really trying to like undermine so much of the oppressive hypocrisy of our sexual culture. And like trying to call out the like framework of religious freedom right. that mostly covers for like right-wing Christian dominance. So they say, okay, well if everybody has religious freedom, we the Santonic Temple have to have our religious freedom too. And they fire th file these really creative lawsuits. Uh, you know, if you've heard about them fighting the Ten Commandments in Alabama, that was the Satanic Temple. They do like really great stuff around repro rights. Like they're can I read just a little bit yes. of the... Can you read my book to me? Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the book, you quote the... We're having like a, like a poetry reading now. You, you quote the, um, the, the letter that the Satanic Temple gives to people that they can take to 
you know, if they're like uh, attempting to uh, get an abortion. Right, and this is for states what, that mandate that you have to get like medically inaccurate information before you can get an abortion or a waiting period or like they have to give you a bunch of bullshit religious propaganda. So basically, they, and you can download this letter online. The letter claims the communications of a political information to me imposes an unwanted and substantial burden on my religious beliefs. Again, like using their language against them. As an adherent to the principles of the satanic temple my sincerely held religious beliefs are they want you to laugh it's this is good my sincerely held religious beliefs are my body is invaluable and subject to my will alone really refreshing right I, I make any decision regarding my health based on the best scientific understanding of the world even if the science does not comport with the religious or political beliefs of others Wow. That's actual religious freedom. So I, yeah, so I feel like I feel like they're being brave and funny and just like fucking with weirdos and yeah, I so just great. like love and you know they wear all black so I'm like I'm here for them. All right. <laughs> That's the official end of the lightning round but I have one more question to ask you and oh. I'm like sneak in here okay. which is I'm going to ask you like the meta question. Okay. So okay. your show is called Why Are People Into That? That's right. And each episode is about like why are people into a certain thing about sex? So why are people into, why are people into that? Oh, I am like the worst person to answer this because I am like the maker. And um, so I should have like a, should have a fan answer. I mean, I do believe that like you should be your biggest fan. Um, so as my biggest fan, I would say, um, I, I hope, and the feedback that I get from people is that you know, there is so much disinformation about sex out there. And by disinformation, I mean different even from misinformation, like willfully misrepresenting people and like willfully putting out just wrong information and, and, and um, destructive and oppressive ideologies in order to control people. I feel like in a world with that much disinformation, people are really hungry to participate in or even feel a part of conversations. And that's what my show is. It's really uncensored. I really let my guest guide the conversation and we explore things that are really raunchy and things that are really educational and things that are really political and it's very unapologetically intersectional feminist. And, and so I, I think that getting to see people or, or rather hear people thinking out loud um, and not being so prescriptive yeah. um, about sex and sexuality and, and gender and identity and love um, means that people are more able to uh, like apply what we talk about to their own lives. So I hope that's why people are into why are people into yeah. that. Yeah, and I love how it just sort of emphasizes the curiosity about sex, right? Like, it, you know, like, instead of like, because. I'm sure all of us have heard, like, well, why are people into that, right? Right. There's it's, a very different way to ask that question, but you're, like, like, every single thing you explore kind of has the same weight of all the other things. Like, there's no normal. It's just sort of, like, some people are into this. Let's talk about that. Mm. Like, some people are into that. Let's, you know, like, and I, I love that that denorming that your show does. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I do think that so much sex journalism and even marketing of, of some sexual products is based on like capitalizing on the fear that we all want to feel normal. And I don't think that wanting to feel normal is necessarily a bad thing. What I think people really want to feel is like included and like they belong, right? And yeah. that they have the space to express um, their truth. And so I, I think that uh, conversations that we're, we're like the primary principle is to not be judgmental yeah. and try to 
be intersectional and compare, you know, say that like a love of spanking is not that different from a love of um, boots or a love of kissing or a love of blowjobs or anything else. Anyway, so. Yeah. So do you want to demonstrate the idea in action? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do a little uh, feud, little wire people into that topics, right? I think so. Yeah. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So I have a few in mind. And maybe we can take one from the crowd. And we're oh, going to yeah. open it up to questions in the end. But so everybody uh, start thinking about... Like a, like a sexuality topic, maybe one that has been introduced to you for the first time as you've been walking around here uh, at the expo that you would like to have us explain. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a pretty broad one. Okay. Which is... I'm a pretty broad. <laughs> yes. Which is, why are people into masturbation? Oh. <laughs> Wait, can I tell my masturbation story first? I wish you would. So <laughs> I didn't... I mean, I didn't really masturbate intentionally until I was like a junior in college. I mean, I like touched myself and it felt good, yeah. but I literally, it had never occurred to me that was like an activity that I could do. Like I just, I didn't. And I, and I think for that reason was not having orgasms. I was having a lot of fun in bed. Like it was, I was not a virgin and I was having a lot of fun sexual adventures, but I wasn't orgasming and I just was like not, the, and a friend of mine, uh, was I said this to her at some point, and she was like, okay, honey, <laughs> tonight you're going to go home, and you're going to dry yourself a bath, and you're going to maybe light some candles, and uh, Enya? and then you're going to go to Enya bed. Enya involved? What? Did you put Enya on I don't think there was Enya. Okay. <laughs> and you're going like, to go to bed, and you're going to like touch yourself and figure out what feels good, and if it starts feeling kind of funny, follow that feeling, right? Follow and, like, the funny. And if you feel like it, maybe you have to pee. Keep going. Mm. Like, and, uh, and, and then I was like, I had my first orgasm and I have wow. never faked it since because why would you miss out on that? Hey, that's um, what friends are for you guys. <laughs> so, I mean, masturbation does so much. One of the things I always say, and if you listen to my show, you've heard me say this one million times, which is the most important sexual relationship that any of us will ever have is the one we have with ourselves, hey. right? Like, partners may come and go. What we have is us, and so masturbation for me is like the cornerstone of sexual practice, right? Like you knowing that you can make yourself feel good and give yourself pleasure um, can make you, I mean, not only, I mean, look, it's super good for you. It's free. <laughs> it, it usually doesn't take that long, right? Like it, there are not a lot of things in life that feel that good that are good for you and free. It's good for waking up. It's good for going to sleep. <laughs> right. It's, it's good as a mode of like positive reinforcement that you finish something. It's good to take a, to take a break if you're having a writer's block, I've been told. <laughs> it's good for so many things, but also it like teaches you about your body, right? Yeah. Like what feels good so that you can also communicate that to a partner, right? The more you're familiar with giving yourself pleasure, the better you're going to be at helping somebody else give you pleasure. So I mean, like, why, why the fuck not masturbate? Hell I guess yeah. would be the question that people would have to answer. Well, when I, the first time I masturbated, I thought I had invented it. And you did. I thought you I did. I thought I was going to be rich. Um, so, <laughs> and here, and look at me now. Okay, moving on. Related question. Oh, why are people into vibrators? Uh, because they're into masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> but of the all the different ways that you can masturbate, why is a vibrator? 
I mean, I can only answer for myself. Please do. So I have like a really long-term primary relationship with my Hitachi Magic Wand. <laughs> uh, the the, the plug-in kind or the wireless Well, I kind? just replaced it like a year ago. The On my, my older one, the cord was breaking. Uh-huh. And I kind of didn't pay attention to it because I just... And like one night I was masturbating and sparks started Oh my God, that happened to me Very too. near my crotch. Okay, very that. near my crotch. Okay, so... Take it very all, seriously. Of all the reasons uh, it, that you maybe will, might want to consider the so rechargeable one. now I have the rechargeable one. one where you don't, you just you plug also, it in to charge also it. also take it camping. Also the charge lasts for fucking ever. So long. I mean, I use that thing on, on the regular and I don't recharge it that often and the charge on, I can't believe how long the charge lasts and how powerful it is also the new one is like I'm really into like rumbly as opposed mm. to buzzy Same. you know people, different people like different things I always want like the most rumbly feeling yeah the rumbly uh, stuff I find like reverberates like deeper yeah do you get like the in, in like the you know <laughs> if, you, if you guys like are, I hope you all are aware actually can you show your clitoris ring oh so yeah. like this is like just the tip of the iceberg there's so much like pleasure uh, situation like going on like deep inside your pelvis yeah like, really, the like, rumbles get down there so like this I feel like that the new the rechargeable one is rumblier than the original Mm. too oh it has a silicone head too so you can so you can disinfect it and use it with multiple people if you're a slut (laughs) it's just like I mean it's 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 a cliche for a reason but I will say on the topic of rumbles Mm. that I finally found a travel vibe because it's a lot Mm. to take the Hitachi you can (laughs) but like I I kind of overpack and I'm always short on space in my suitcase the Mimi Soft is Mm. Juju right yes yeah yeah, Juju and they they definitely have it right out the store well actually both of the toys that we're talking about right out the door at the pleasure chest booth I also love the Mimi Soft when we were talking about this I was like like, those are the two I like like, also we're like vibrator twinsies it turns out it's teeny t- you wouldn't think like this teeny tiny vibe you would expect that sort of like high buzzy feeling it from it it looks like a skipping stone it's beautiful in the hand yeah and then it's just like it's <laughs> and it's like so it's soft and it has this this silicone silicone so versatile yeah. um like like me um and uh and it um and it, it has this like almost rough and i mean that in a good way this sort of like like rough smoothness yeah which no sounds it's like a contradiction but it's almost they, like um it's not, but it's almost like velvety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You should just go feel it. Yeah. After we're done. Not yet. Yeah. And it's an external vibe. And it, yeah, so it's really great. And so, so yeah, why, but why? But why? But why vibrators? I mean, I don't feel like I can, because they feel really good. Like I, yeah, because they feel really good. I think for some people who have different um, issues with hands and wrists and arms, they can actually be, make masturbation much easier. Um, you know, you're not going to give yourself carpal tunnel. <laughs> Lord knows. And I just like, for me, I just feel like I can relax more and just mm. enjoy it instead of like thinking about the, the work of, I mean, like, look, you know, I can freak myself off with my hand just fine. But mm. like, it just, I don't know, it's just nicer. I feel like a vibrator, when I'm in the mood to masturbate and feel like somebody else is making me come, yeah. I like sort of like think of, my vibrator is like my own like sex robot, you know, that like doesn't talk back. And, and nobody needed to put like a creepy face on. No, like, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And of course there are plenty of people for whom 
vibration gets them in touch with their ability to orgasm or have different kinds of orgasms that they might not have had otherwise. And also, vibrators aren't just for solo sex anymore, oh, people. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend having a vibrator that you know that you can incorporate into whatever other kind of sex you like to Did have you, with other Mimi people. The soft you can slip behind a harness because mm -hmm. it's flat enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. okay, next question. Yeah. Why are people into erotica? And, I, and when I say erotica... Okay, because you see me giving you the face already. Uh, what I mean by erotica <laughs> is written porn. Oh. I like erotica because... Well, for a couple of reasons. One, because it allows you to insert your own imagination into the scene, right? Like, you can maybe, even if there's description of what the people in the scene look like, you can maybe just ignore a couple of descriptions and, like, cast yourself in it and cast whoever you like in it, right? We all do that all like, the time, right? It, it creates, like, a bunch more imaginary space for you than, mm. than sort of watching visual porn does, and I really like that. And then I also feel like it's not such a, like... Well, the, it's not such a giant industry as like video porn, which also means like the stakes are lower, and which means that like there's a much greater diversity of. St it's easier to find a wider range of stories if you're looking at erotica. You have to like know, and we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna talk about porn. Definitely. You have to like get through all the like samey, samey, same stuff on the tube sites to like find those diverse stories. And, and it, a lot, it costs a lot more money to produce them for video. So True. it's just possible to produce so a much wider range of stories written. And I love that about erotica too. I actually love erotica and it's, I probably use it more than porn. Oh, good to know. Yeah. One-handed reading. <laughs> well, that's also a good reason to use the vibrator. Yeah. <laughs> Because you can try to just clench it between your thighs, like, after, you know, yeah. If I anyway. had a sex robot, I might just have them, like, turn the page on the erotica and hold it up. Um, That's what you would do with your sex robot. Next question. Is there any erotica that you would recommend, Jacqueline? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> It's just called Curvy Sex, the Rachel... It, I think it's called Curvy Girls. Curvy Girls, the Rachel Kramer Bustle I think that anthology. Laura Di had it up here, uh, and it's definitely over at the Pleasure Chest booth. And Pleasure Chest sells a lot of really great yeah. erotica books, erotic fiction, both like book length, and then also one thing that Cleus Press does, and that Rachel Kramer Bustle, who's going to be here tomorrow, edits so a lot great. of. It's so amazing. She's um, like the queen of erotica. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to meet her or see any of her talks, Rachel Kramer Bustle is the best. And she edits all these anthologies, and the thing that's really great about them is that some of them will have, like, 25 different stories in them and they'll be centered around a theme so maybe one is curvy girls which we obviously both really like um, and or there will be one that's like hotel sex or one that's about female domination or one that is about like group sex and all, all kinds of different things and different writers so you're going to have different perspectives and different literary tones and uh, and you're going to yeah. find something that you like there's so much uh, variety you're going to find one story in every book that you're like gonna break the spine over for sure yeah I mean you know full disclosure I blurbed the curvy the curvy girls thing so you know like not a disinterested party but like I was so glad when I was reading it I was like it just felt so um just reading like a whole like usually I feel lucky if there's like a curvy girl in a collection right mm. and so like the fact that like like fat people were 
were already given and like you got to see like this wide range of what that looks like and it was sort of like it was really humanizing right it wasn't just like this one idea it was like a whole book full of ideas so it wasn't like the original thing is like oh my god there's a non-skinny person in this book a lot of the people I know for a fact in that anthology who wrote those stories are themselves yeah. plus size people it so so it's not just like exotifying Fetishy. which can sometimes be an, an issue with different identities yeah. in, in all kinds of sexual media. Can I say so, something about that? Yeah. It's totally fine to fetishize somebody else's identity if they are consenting, right? I agree with that. If they are not consenting, you're in dicey territory. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Um, Thanks for speaking to that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very clear about that. Tristan, our friend Tr Tristan Taramino, also has an anthology of trans erotica. Oh, take, take me you, there. Take, oh, I was going to say, it's, it's t I keep thinking like, take you there, but it's not. It's take me there. <laughs> take me there. Take me there. There's a lot more Yeah, that is that. like all trans and genderqueer erotica, mostly also written by trans and genderqueer people, speaking of people who often when they appear in sexual media are fetishized, exotified, and, and objectified, as in they're not the subjects or the makers. So I highly recommend Take yeah. Me There as well. I l I'm glad that you defined, though, erotica. Yeah. Because I get really, like, hackily about the mm. word erotica because... What? Go, oh, why? Why do you? <laughs> she knows the answer already. Uh, okay, so so often when we hear, oh, I like erotica, it's from somebody who's like anti-porn, right? And like erotica is the porn that I like, right? And the stuff that I think is bad, I call porn, and I say all porn is bad, right? And so I think that like that definition of terms is so important because it's like so, like, I don't care if you're Gloria Steinem, which has literally done this. And I have a lot of respect for Gloria Steinem and what she's accomplished, but like... She's got some sex problems. Like... I'm not in a personal just because life, not you. I mean, maybe. Like, where you draw the line about, like, what's okay porn and what's not okay is, like, not where everybody's going to draw the line. Yeah, the, what, what people can get away with when they're talking about porn and when they're talking about sex in terms of classism, because that's what this is really about, right? right? The idea that there is tasteful, a tasteful yes. kind of way to get turned on is predicated on the idea that if you're educated and if you're a proper person and you know the proper way to behave and the proper way to make love, then you would never let any of your sexuality be corrupted by nastiness or anything like déclassé, right? And like, who gets thrown under the bus by these classifications. Queer people, kinky people, people of color. Sex uh, workers. Sex workers, absolutely, and of course all of the intersections of all of these identities. Yeah, and, and people who may not have a master's degree or people who may not have even access to being able to go to like a feminist sex positive sex toy store, you know? So the idea that there's like classy yeah. sexual media and trashy sexual media is like a dichotomy that I would like to see us all explode. Which is not to say that we can't critique porn, right? Like, we I think there's absolutely like should. a ton of misogynist porn out there, and there's a ton of racist porn out there, and there's a ton of just sort of crappy low quality porn, and we should be able to like critique porn the same way, same and recommend porn the same way we do like TV shows with our friends. Exactly. Like, oh, that thing is trash. I'm not watching that, right? I wish like, why does all the producers only produce that when we know we want more of this? Like, we should be able to engage with porn as media the same we do with any media. I obviously agree. But with you. the idea that like. The stuff that we like is not porn. Like, I, it's just like a weird tautology. And who gets I, to create those standards and right. set those standards? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
So why are people into porn? Like, okay, and but when I these so are these saying, are like beyond softballs. <laughs> why why are um, beyond softballs? Um, I mean, it's, it's, I was gonna make a lesbian joke, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, Wait, now I want to hear the lesbian joke. No, that was it. Uh, just softball associate. Anyway, um, so but, but okay, so why are people into watching? like hardcore footage of people having sex with each other. I mean it feels taboo, right? It you're, is taboo. Right, you're you're not supposed to be in the room with somebody else who's having sex. It's supposed to be private and so you're watching something that's supposed to be private. Right. And the taboo is often erotic. Yes. Um I've noticed that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh it can, you know, these are also like oftentimes fantasies. They're, you know, stylized in mm. such a way that like you know, the same w reason we would like to watch like rom-coms or action movies that are right. also like completely unrealistic fantasies that totally. we like to insert ourselves into and sort of for escapism, right? Like our sex lives don't tend to look like porn, which is fine and normal. And if we had real sex ed in this country, no one would be confused about the two. Word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes it's like, you know, like it's that sort of fantastic element of it. Sometimes it's like a kink that we're curious about. Maybe we don't necessarily want to do it in our own lives, but it still turns us on to think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's like as many reasons as there are kinds of porn. I agree. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you live in New York City, Los Angeles, or Chicago, you're in luck. Your friendly neighborhood pleasure chest store offers the best in sex positive live events. Their pleasure ed workshops are always free and you always get 15% off any sex toy shopping you do that night. November has some exciting programming that I want to tell you about. In Los Angeles on Thursday, November 30th, Pleasure Chest is hosting a live taping of the Reality Bites podcast with host Courtney Kokak and special guest Jacqueline Friedman. Jacqueline will also be in New York City November 14th for the official release party of her new book, Unscrewed, Women, Sex, Power, and How to Stop Letting the System Screw Us All. Meanwhile, Chicago won't want to miss the Suck It, Lick It, Love It oral sex workshop with Shawnee and Danielle, Wednesday, November 29th. Visit PleasureChest.com for updated listings on these and all live events. And don't forget to tell the Pleasure Chest that you heard about these live events on Why Are People Into That? So does anybody have a Why Are People Into blank? that they would like to ask both of us? Yeah. Oh, 
yeah. Okay, so why are people into tentacle porn? So, so first is the question. Um, so, so first of all, um, I do want to say that uh, as Jacqueline and I were walking around the expo floor, there is a, a company here that that may, has like you you can like desi design your own bespoke dildos, right? They're called, so groovy. I'm sorry, dragon. Bad dragon. Bad dragon. They're groovy and butt plugs too. Totally. Yeah. And insertables. And a lot of them were dragons, and I definitely saw a tentacle and lots of like fantastical things. Yeah. And so a uh, tentacle porn is definitely a genre of hentai, which is anime, the like Japanese cartoon porn. So like porn anime. And uh, why are people why are people into that? I mean, I've explained what it is. Do you do you have a thought about why people are into? weird alien things penetrating I mean, I, people? It's, it's a hard question for me to answer because I think that it probably overlaps with being into horror as a genre, and I am not into horror, but I do get why people are into horror, which yeah. is sort of like, I, I think the reason we all have sort of like these taboo fantasies that we would never want to live through in reality is you want to be able to, to touch or experience something that scares you Word. in a way that you actually know in the ba way back of your mind, that like you're safe, you're safe right? Yeah. So you're like touching that sort of third rail thing that you're terrified of. Mm. I, I feel like it's the same reason people have rape fantasies in some ways. Totally. Although, you know, Often like way more slithery and phallic, raping. you know, there's yeah. that stuff too. But yeah. like, I think part of like the horror part is like, yeah, it's like, this is terrifying and you can sort of release some of that fear in a safe way in that erotic encounter. I couldn't have said it better myself. I am totally into horror and like horror movies and. and Do you like tentacle porn? No, no. Well, there goes my theory. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, correlation is not causation. I would agree that people are into tentacle porn for the touching the third rail. Uh, but there's also example something sort just, of slithery and sensual yeah, about some, it. Yes, very good point. I think that some people are really just into things that are slippery or that seem slippery. I think it may also be about like wanting to be like consumed or surrounded yeah. in sort of this like orgiastic. I was thinking it's sort of like a gangbang, but right. with like one. It's like a gangbang in one. Yeah. Creature. Right. Yeah. 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 Lots of different reasons. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to take one more? Yeah, let's take one more. Why are people into that? Yeah. Okay. Oh. We're getting, why yeah, are these are hard balls now. Yeah, why, yeah. Are into, <laughs> I, see? why are people into adult baby diaper lovers? You oh, you're looking at me? One. Okay. <laughs> well, I did work for a very long time as a professional dominatrix, so I have played with adult baby diaper lovers. I think that any kind of age play, which is a fantasy or for some people an identity where you role play or sort of identify in your sexual persona as an age other than the one that you truly are, right? So age play can be that you are older than you are, like you're a dirty old man, you know, or it can be that you are uh, in your 20s um, or that you are a teenager uh, or that you are a baby. You know, this gets into edgy and squeaky territory for a lot of people because of sexualizing children, which I just want to like put out there is a good taboo. I'm glad we have the taboo of not sexualizing children. Be that as it may, most of us were young once, um, <laughs> or still may identify I think as young. a generalization you can actually make. <laughs> we were all young once. Right. I think that 
any kind of age play is getting in touch with whatever you associate with your experience of being young, which it might also be an experience that you feel like you never had. So for example, the example I always give is that I was like a very studious, theater queer teenager and like not I was very slutty in my mind you know inventing masturbation and everything but I but I was not super slutty I sort of I enjoy role playing as a bad teenager I sort of you know like to talk about the like Audrey Horn side of my uh, sexual persona as the just sort of like really horny bad girl. And so that for me is about like living out something that, yeah. that I didn't get to have. So I'm getting a little broadly off topic. I promise I will talk to you about diapers. Um, <laughs> folks who like to play as babies really, you can imagine the sort of most extreme version of what I'm talking about here, which is regressing to a time when you had no cares in the world and everybody took care of you and provided for all of your needs. You didn't have to think. You didn't have to do the right thing. If you did a bad thing, nobody's really going to blame you because you don't know any better, right? So I think that for some people, they are craving that extreme innocence so much that that they, that becoming a baby is a way of being in touch with that and for some people they really want to literalize that and uh, you know just like any other fetish sometimes doing something like wearing a diaper like if you when you put on the diaper like you're you're the baby like right. there's no like, like well maybe line. I'm like not in the mood so much right now it like it gets you into that mode and it also sort of signals like we're doing this we're like taking this plunge and doing this thing that for most people is probably pretty extreme even among fetishists I know adult baby diaper fetish is, is generally considered pretty extreme. So, yeah, and then uh, for the diaper stuff, uh, some people just really love to get messy. So, <laughs> all right. I could go on, uh, but yeah. Do you have anything to add? I have nothing to add. <laughs> cool, so we solved that one. Yes. Um, what, how are we doing on time? We are coming up on, look, maybe we should finish up and then take a couple of more general questions. Great, so I have a question for you about this book here. Wow, that is a really nice looking book. That I just finished reading, and it's called Women's Sex Power and How to Stop Letting the System Screw Us All. Yes, I highly recommend it. You know, there's so much fucking information in this book, and I think I was telling you, it really encouraged the, like, tinfoil hat side of me, where I was like, I knew it! I knew it was all connected! Um, it is actually you know, all there, connected. There are, you do say things like, <laughs> let's follow the money on this one, and I'm like, yeah, no, so there's some, like, dark money shit in here, and so... I did my homework! Yeah, very well researched, and you really also give a lot of other people platforms with, with this book, which I think is really amazing when talking about any kind of sex culture and any kind of sex politics. Um, it's not just you being like, Here's I'm, my Jacqueline opinion. Yeah. I mean, I did There's that. plenty of places that you can just hear the Jacqueline opinion. Yes. <laughs> I'm not shy about my Jacqueline opinion, but I did, it would be a boring book with just that. And I, what I also like, you know, each chapter is basically about a different structure or institution or cultural norm that keeps us from being our full sexually free selves. But I didn't want it just to just be a book of like depressing shit. Mm. 
So I, f I focus on those people in each chapter. There's a, there's a person or a group who are doing work to undo that, that dynamic or institution or to change things so for the like, better. So like, for example, undoing toxic masculinity. I don't know if any of you have ever had a problem with toxic masculinity. Uh, going back to the Ted Cruz thing, like the problems that we have in this country about hypocrisy around the separation of church and state. We're not supposed to be living in a theocracy anyway. Uh, Hollywood, yeah, economics, media. like it, it, it's a big, broad book. Sex education. Definitely. Yeah. And so the last chapter here is called How to Join the Resistance, which I love so much. And so what I want to ask you for this crowd uh, is how can we use our sex lives, our solo sex lives, our partner sex lives, maybe our group sex lives, to join the resistance? Like how can we join the resistance from our bedrooms and our dungeons and so on? All right. I will answer this question if you will take the postcards out of my bag oh, yeah. and pass them to these fine people. It's in the front pocket. Front pocket. Uh, I want to make sure you remember about my book release party in November. So We are now living in a time where the politicians in control in this country are using fear and division to rule. This is going to be super political. If you don't like it, I'm not sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is just where the fuck we're at right now. And so when you allow, when you make space for yourself to have pleasure, you are literally resisting already, right? Like you're, in, you're enacting a world in which your pleasure, your body, your, your existence matters, right? And, and we're getting told constantly, like, we don't fucking matter, right? Um, and when you connect with somebody, and whether that's sexually or elsewise, but sex is one of the ways we really connect and, and, and stay connected to people, you are also like resisting that impulse toward division. So um, just on that root level, I feel like allowing pleasure into our lives, focusing on making sure there's pleasure in our lives and that we're connecting to other people through pleasure is, is part of the resistance. And it also is where everything comes from, right? So, I mean, I hope that all of you won't just resist in your bedrooms and that you'll also resist in other ways outside of your bedroom. but we're gonna get really fucking burnt out if all we do is really unpleasant shit, right? So it's also like that sort of nurturing and giving back to ourselves that mm. like this is a marathon and not a sprint to undo all these institutions. Like, you know, what I, I worked really hard to make sure the book is not overwhelming. And so it's really about like finding that small piece that you feel passionate about and that you can do, but that also is exciting and fun for you. And so, the, you know, there are lots of ways to resist that can be exciting and fun, like the satanic temple we were talking about. And so the more you're in touch with and, and believe and internalize that you deserve pleasure and you make pleasure a regular part of your life, the more you're going to seek it in the work that you do out in the world and in your resistance work out in the world also. So I just feel like, I feel like refusing to have our lives be ruined, like, <laughs> is a giant fuck you to the status quo. It also will fuel us and feed us and make us stronger and build, it, I mean, literally it builds community. There used to be a very popular slogan in the uh, lady queer community, uh, in the dyke community in the 90s, I don't know if it's still popular, that an army of ex-lovers cannot fail. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
when we are that intimate with each other, when we're that vulnerable with each other, and here I'm also talking about that thing to sort of bring it full circle, that thing you talked about in the lightning round about sort of treating sex not as an acquisition or an accomplishment, mm. but it's like a creative collaboration, right, with yourself or, or other people, whoever is involved. That, that it genu I know it sounds corny as shit, but it builds community, right? And it builds strength and resilience in your communities, whatever your communities are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how you can spark resistance in your bedroom. Hell yes. Yeah. Can we get a hell yes for that? <laughs> Fuck yeah. I think we have time for a couple of questions. I think we definitely do. Does anyone have either a wired people into that question or an unscrewed question or like or bonus points for question? both? Yeah. yeah. Don't be shy. Someone in the back, yeah. Yeah. Hand in the back. Oh, consensual non-consent. We can, oh, you, this is your fave. I love talking about consensual non-consent. I mean, this is sort of what I was talking about earlier with the tentacle porn and the rape fantasies, right? It's sort yeah. of like, it's, it's about experiencing something that either is terrifying or also for a lot of people, they've already experienced like a trauma, but in a way where you can rewrite the script and have control over it. Um, so you get that sort of taboo and the fear and, you know, like th that part of the erotic. And you also, because it's consensual non-consent, and we can talk about the details about best practices around that too. Sure. You also know, like, down, like, deep in your belly core, like, you're actually safe if you're doing it with a partner that you trust and you have a safe word and you do it, you know. In, or a gang of partners. Or a gang of partners, <laughs> right, exactly. You sort of get to explore, like, really dark emotions in a way that is set up in a way that's aff affirming, right? It's about you wanting something, it's about your desire, even, mm. if, even if it in the scene it's about overcoming your desire or your boundaries. Yeah. I agree with that 100%, and what I would add is whether it's consensual non-consent or uh, really any kind of kink that plays with power, whether it's a little bit of spanking or a little bit of hair pulling or maybe something more elaborate, like pulling off a gangbang, um, or maybe like going to a play party in a dungeon, or, or any any number of kinks. In my vast and considerable experience playing with people professionally and playing in public with community and playing with partners and also in my own fantasies and being a sex writer and making fiction and nonfiction about kink, the thing that I have found absolutely to be true is that taking these taboos and these fears and this unconsensual power and oppression that is constantly being put on us and, and incorporating it and eroticizing it, incorporating it into your sex life and playing with it consensually with your chosen partners, with yourself and your own imagination and with your community really effectively undermines the power that it has it over you. It reasserts control, yeah, yeah, actually. And so I would add that that's a way to join the resistance you know, from the privacy of your bedroom or dungeon or wherever you know, a back alley or like a bathroom at a queer dance party, that, that you really actually can fight the power by incorporating the, the, the things that, that, the, that powerful people have tried to use against you uh, and just like process them like through your body and your own experience. And it really helps, gives you that like jabberwocky feeling of like you have no power over me. I mean, only for some people. Absolutely. Some people do not find that a cathartic experience and you want to pay attention to that. I think for a lot of people, consensual non-consent and that 
that sort of extreme power stuff is something like you maybe think about and maybe are tempted to try. And, and I would recommend like if you, we all have fantasies that we like to fantasize about that we actually would never even want to play at in bed, right? Let like alone. To, or you, that you cannot, like right. or tentacles. That you can't. Tentacles. <laughs> right. So it's totally fine if you just have it in the realm of imagination or if you don't like thinking about it at all. Also totally fine. Yeah. If you're tempted to, like, you know, like, I rec always recommend baby steps. So, like, if we're talking about consensual non-consent, like, maybe talk to your partner about it and, like, have them hold your wrists down and see how that feels and sort of ease up on it because or experimenting with language dirty talk yeah, dirty like keeping talk, it certain. i mean not that language cannot be some yeah. of the most intense sexual tools that you can use but but, but, but it can be sort of much easier to to gauge and, and roll with and communicate about but it's there's also not i just want to make clear like the most important thing is for you to make sure like to try things and then be like well how did i feel about that was that good for me like was that like satisfying and I feel happy and healthy now, right? Like, and, and not, like none of us all like the same thing. So like, just because something is healing and cathartic for one person, it might be shitty for you. And like, you are the boss of that at all times. Like that's actual real sexual liberation. Yeah, sexual liberation is not everyone should be liberated in the way that I have experienced liberation. But you invented masturbation. I did, I mean, <laughs> the first one's free. <laughs> What, time for one more question. Okay. One more question. What do you got? You could ask us like literally anything. Yeah, I don't ask, promise we'll yeah, answer. This is but like Reddit. No. Yeah. 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 Why are people into experiences that change their perspective? Um, okay. So uh, the question is an experience that changed our perspective on kink and then why people are into whatever the kink is that we're talking about. For me, being a sex worker changed my perspective on basically every kink under the sun and some that I didn't know existed and some that were like literally being invented right in front of me as I watched. I mean, so much of my work is about challenging people to destigmatize and decriminalize sex work in so many different ways, whether it is a microaggression like saying you look like a hoe in that skirt like there's something wrong with that, or saying like, well, I'm not into that trashy porn, but I'm into this classy erotica, right? So as we've talked about, I guess what, how I would turn this around is to say that I've had a million, like, and I hope to continue to have like an infinite number of experiences by like going to sex parties and just being a voyeur and experiencing uh, different people's dynamics and how other people like to do things. I think that it does create empathy. And like I was saying before about not being so focused on your own experience and feeling like you have to accomplish something by going to the sex party that you are also like getting a chance to see this vast diverse realm of different things that, that people are into and maybe, you know, and so much of a, so much of the project of my podcast, Why Are People Into That, is emphasizing that on these really base levels that not all sexual interests are that different, that they come from similar places of, of desiring intimacy, desiring a sense of belonging, uh, pure sensual pleasure and stimulation and experience, feel, you know, wanting to have community, wanting to feel okay in your body, all of these different things, right? So thing that I would want you to take away from that is 
that you are not saving yourself from being stigmatized for something that you are or something that you're into by stigmatizing somebody else or yep. judging somebody else. Yep. And that you're like, if, if you're like into spanking and you like see somebody else like with a single tail whip, you'd be like, well, I'm in, I'm in like into this, but I'm not like one of those freaks that's into that. Like that's not protecting you actually. That's contributing to a culture where we all think that we can protect ourselves from stigma by further stigmatizing other people. So I would suggest that we cut that out. Yeah. And knock it off. Wait, I have to follow <laughs> that now. <laughs> You could have let me go first. I'm not saying I never do it, you know, but I try to remain like self, yeah. like critical of myself when I am maybe microaggressioning people. To everyone, I I, I sent did. them. All right, I sent good. them out. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure you're invited. Okay. <laughs> uh, the thing that that question made me think of isn't exactly about a kink, but it's about um, the experience when I first answered a Craigslist casual encounters ad, mm. which was in this like real moment of lowness and desperation. Why are people into Craigslist? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they are anymore. This was like 10 years ago now, yeah. like everything changes, but it's probably, you know, Tinder or Grinder or whatever it is right. now. I had had my heart just like smashed to smithereens, had this terrible heartbreak earlier in the year. And then I started dating this other person and thought like, maybe this was gonna happen and, and everything is gonna turn out great. And then he was like, yeah. And then I was like devastated. And I used to like, <laughs> this is horrible to admit. I used to, <laughs> Uh, it's a safe space, Jack. I would, <laughs> this is public. <laughs> uh, uh, I used to sometimes, occasionally, in that period of time, post Craigslist ads, not because I intended to meet anybody, but because I wanted people to like respond and feel like I had options, right? Even if I thought they all sounded disgusting and I didn't want to meet any of them, I just like it made me feel better because I was very lonely and. I got this response one time in this like really low moment. I was like, I kind of want to meet this person. And on a total whim, I went out and met them and like had really phenomenal sex uh, and wound up having like a friends with benefits situation with him for a, a good long time. And now we're just friends. It was like kind of like finding a needle in a haystack you didn't think there was a needle in. But the thing that I learned from that, which wasn't just about this like crazy experience I had that worked out better than Craigslist encounters mostly do, was, because I, I also tried Craigslist encounters a bunch of times after that and it was not usually like quite that good but the thing that I learned from that even though I I kind of thought I was doing like a dirty and bad thing when mm. I did it because I'd been kind of a serial monogamist up until then and I it was so transformative to me to learn like I can just like get my sexual needs handled without a relationship and it just gave me all this time and space to heal from all that heartbreak and a bunch of other shit that was going on in my life and be like I'm actually not suited to a serious relationship right now I just need to fuck sometimes, right? And like, just like separating those two out. Cool. Like not that you, I mean, they're combined. I have a relationship now where they're combined, but that, that those two things could be separated and that actually, it wasn't just like, ooh, I'm doing something bad, but like actually it, it was something really good. It was like well, self-care, honestly. Well, there's a myth too that, and you definitely talk about this yeah. uh, in the book, that, that once that once you separate them, that like never the twain shall right. meet again, right? And that you're that you're tainted, and now you're a slut, and like the only kind of sex that you can have is slutty sex. But like actually, like you can have like slutty sex that integrates intimacy or commitment or like any other yeah. thing. And yeah, yeah. So that was really that really changed my mind in a in a big way, and was like a real revelation for me. Like that casual sex wasn't just like. 
a decision people should have the right to make because we should be free people, but that actually it can be powerfully healing and like exactly the right thing for self-care in the right circumstances for the right people. So, so on that slut yep. power note, thank you so much for coming to Sex Expo and coming to our crossover. Tina Horn, why are people into that? And Jacqueline Friedman, the host of Unscrewed. Please subscribe to our shows. We'd love to see you on the internet. See you on the internet. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.